Jazz and Chargers Unleashed, Sebastian Joseph, they know the vibes, we outside. You're listening to the Chargers Unleashed Podcast with your host, Dan Wolkenstein and Jake Hefner. Welcome to another edition of Chargers Unleashed. Jake Hefner and Dan Wolkenstein here with you from the LA Football Network. Today's show, of course, being brought to you by Bet Online, Charger Bowl Family, Rock Solid Sports Memorabilia, and Liquid Death. If this is your first time tuning into the show, make sure to hit that like and subscribe button on YouTube. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Dan Wolkenstein, I'm just, I'm just asking one time, one time, one week. And it turns out the way that this season's going, that the only time that my blood pressure is going to be down is in the Chargers bye week in the next two weeks. I'm just asking, on behalf of Charger fans everywhere, can we just have a game where it doesn't come (laughs) down to the nail-biting aspects that we had to witness in a very, very, very ugly victory over the Denver Broncos on Monday Night Football? That's all I'm asking. That's all that I'm asking on behalf of Charger fans everywhere. Take that monkey off of our shoulders, please. Good Lord. <laughs> I, I, well, the, the short answer is no, you can't have that because that's what the Chargers do. They make everyone sit on the edge of their seats to give everyone panic attacks and then they see for paying attention and then maybe they'll win. That's why Daniel Jeremiah was tweeting during the game last night. I think someone had asked him, like, how can you stand this? And he's like, this is why I love commentating on these games, because there's nothing short of excitement. I would encourage you, if you're not a Chargers fan, start watching Chargers games, because (laughs) whatever the result is, it's going to be interesting. (laughs) It is entertaining. It is entertaining. So, look... uh, Ugly win, and I would put ugly in air quotes because depending on what you're looking at, it could be ugly. It could also be it all could also be looking pretty good if you're looking at a certain side of the ball, a certain size of the ball for three quarters or so. Um, but look, Chargers get the victory, 19 to 16 over the Denver Broncos division rival. Chargers go to two and one at home, two and one on the road, two and one in their division, which is huge. Russell Wilson and the Broncos are now two and four, two games behind the Chargers. The Raiders are one and four, two and a half games behind the Chargers, and the Chargers and Chiefs tie the top the AFC West without the tiebreaker at four and two. Yeah. Second best record in the NFL is your Los Angeles Chargers. So much to get into. We got Chargers Unleashed Hotline, which is going to be going up immediately today on Chargers Unleashed. We got three of them to get Jake's first takes on those again to be a part of the show. Leave us a voicemail, 323-374-5651. Leave us a voicemail throughout the week, whether it's predictions, your recap, your feelings, your uh, reactions, you name it. And then we'll go ahead and play them on an upcoming episode. Jake, we've got three today. Um, Over or under, how many yards did did the Chargers... Hold the Broncos to passing in the second half. I'm going to give you, you have the answers to the test here. Over or under zero net passing yards in the second half and overtime. How about I give a backwards answer to that? It was less yards than the amount of F-bombs that I dropped during this entirety of this game. (laughs) How's that for an answer? So under. Yes, so under. under. Yes. Uh, so speaking of under, Jake, let's. Uh, we're all under this umbrella. Charges of euphoria, of course. Wink, wink. I know we're not, but our friends over at Bet Online, they've got all kinds of stuff to give out. Uh, talk to the friends about them real quick. Well, as we we're heading into Week Seven of the NFL season, which is just insane to say, but football, of course, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all of your football betting needs this season. You'll find the latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends. And as your continued source for all sports wagering info, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports and events like MLB, MMA. Huge fight coming up this weekend, by the way, for all of you MMA aficionados. Uh, Tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head on over to betonline.ag to join and receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet online, where the game starts. 
Chargers versus the Brown, Browns versus the Broncos. Chargers get one touchdown. Austin Eckler moves the pile a ton. You mentioned kind of an ugly win. We're going to kind of get into all of it, some of the decisions, some of the good and bad play calling. You saw incredible performances by some. You saw some not-so-good performances by others that are making millions of dollars on this team. You saw some heroic efforts by a kicker. You saw special teams get takeaways. You saw fourth and Staley's. And you saw an overtime victory, and you saw special teams bring home the W. For I'm sorry. Say that again. Chargers Say that special sense. teams bring home the W for okay. the Chargers. I want to timestamp this <laughs> because for future reference or for past references, when is the last time that you heard that sentence? And when is the next time that you're going to hear that sentence? So funny, I'm, I'm driving home, um, and this is kind of a blast on memory lane. And I forget who it was who does kind of the after show of the game, and uh, he was filling in for the main guy. And he kept playing. Matt Money Smith, voice of the Chargers, kept playing. And the kick is good, you know, going crazy. Matt Money Smith, so excited. And he was talking about, like, how often have we heard that exact scenario and the kick is no good. Far too many times. And so, like, it was this odd repeat in my head of, like, wow, this is a new feeling. So we're going to get into all of that. But, Jake, I think we're going to use this one. This is going to be a very feelings-filled episode. Um, we're going to go right into the hotline. Again, 323-374-5651. Give us a call. We have three of them today. I'm going to kind of use these to steer the ship, if you will. But before we get into that, let's talk about our sponsors over at Liquid Death. Uh, if you all were feeling like Liquid Death watching that game last night, mm -hmm. I am with you. And man, I could have used a can of this last night to help me refresh and calm myself down. If you are going to your local supermarket, your Albertsons, your Ralphs, your 7-Elevens, your Kroger's, whatever it happens to be your local grocery store, uh, make sure that you go and check out Liquid Death. They look like tall boys that are just randomly misplaced there in the energy drink slash water section, but don't let your eyes deceive you. Uh, Liquid Death is one of the newest sparkling water products that comes in regular mango and lime flavor. Uh, right now, they are murdering thirst everywhere that they go uh, and also do a great uh, aspect of contributing to proper re recycling that the company does. So great work that they're doing on the back end, but definitely from a consumer standpoint, if you need to get yourself hydrated, make it, make uh, yourself go, make yourself, have yourself go down to liquid death, <laughs> have yourself go down to the supermarket and get some liquid death. It's a great product, but make, make sure that you go visit liquiddeath.com slash LAFB, check it out and get yourself hydrated. Let's go ahead and listen to the first caller. Again, Jake, you've not heard any of these. So we're going to let them kind of steer this conversation. Let's hear what Glenn from the East Coast had to say about this game. Hey, gentlemen, it's Glenn from the East Coast. Just got done watching a hell of a game. Thank the Lord we got that one out of there. I just want to say Bolt Nation first, but just to leave a little comments, um, you know, J.C. Jackson, we want you healthy. Sit out. Mike Davis can cover for the, for the meantime. But thank the Lord, Brandon Staley, for making one good play tonight, one good decision, and that was to bench JC before it got ugly. Not just one good decision, Jake. Just one. Not taking well, points in the in the fourth quarter when we should have. We could have already the game could have been over. There could have been no overtime. You and Lombardi's terrible calling consistently. We're gonna get into this week after week. We have to change it, boys. But I just wanted to say thank you for that win. I know Charger Nation is feeling it right now. Let's bolt up, boys. Let's win another week. First off, I mean, dedicated Charger fan on the East Coast to stay up that late for a Monday night football game, especially Shout during out. overtime. So that's fantastic to hear that. Uh, okay, so let's dissect a few things. Let's dissect the, the first aspect of what he was talking about, J.C. Mm, Jackson, which was, which was a big topic on a lot of people's minds after the game, how what, what's gonna what this is gonna look like moving forward? Obviously, one of the first premier free agent signings during the offseason for the Chargers. We know all the details of his ankle surgery that he had before the season started. It was not injury related. It was to remove essentially just a, a what was extra it over bone. yes an, an extra bone that had grown into his heel that was starting to cause him pain. 
And since he came back, I think it was what was his first game he came back for was a Kansas City game, if I remember correctly. And since then, we know that he's kind of been on a ramp up period because that ankle injury did take a lot, a lot away from him during that last month of training camp. So he really had to get on the fast track to get back up to standards as far as getting where he needed to be and where Brandon Staley needed him to be. And just and just to make sure folks don't forget, Jake, you and I were at training camp for most of training camp and JC Jackson looked as advertised, clamps down on everybody. Cowboys, Chargers, doesn't matter. Then he had surgery. So then you see what happens in the first half. And I can't just microchasm this in this game in the first half because the last two games, few instances over the last few weeks, you have seen J.C. Jackson on the bad side of positive plays for the opposing team. So it got really bad in the first half for this game last night. First, it was the pass interference call along the sidelines. Then it was the out-of-position Greg Dolchitz 39-yard touchdown. Then, with less than a minute to go, no timeouts for the Denver Broncos. Backbreaker. You allow them to march down the field, majority of it, based on a a really a prayer that Russell Wilson threw, considering how he was hit during this throw. And how K.J. Hamler got that far behind the secondary on in a driver, you know, just don't allow anything deep. Huge concerns. Three big-time plays that were big-time impacts of this game in the first half. I mean, Denver looked like a completely different team, obviously, in the second half, and we'll get into that. But a large chunk of points came on negative plays that involved J.C. Jackson in it. So Brandon Staley does, in my opinion, the second-best move that he has done this season. The first... Yes, roster-wise. The first was when Rashawn Slater went down that he actually had the testicular fortitude, the guts, to not go with what he was experienced with in Storm Norton, but he went with the six-round rookie in Jamari Sawyer, and you could see how the dividends have paid off since then. But to make a decision like that in a divisional game and during halftime... Even all things considered, with the amount of money that you invested in J.C. Jackson in the offseason, and you He's make your the guy. decision, you he, brought him in. Yes, you make the decision to bench him, and you insert Michael Davis, who has taken an enormous amount of criticism over the last couple of years from the media, from the fan base as well, and in the during the times when the Broncos were able to throw the ball in his direction. He made the plays that needed to be pl- to be played. And the bigger aspect of this, if you go and you read Daniel Popper's takeaways from The Athletic and his, uh, his piece that he put out, I believe, I can't remember if it was last night or this morning, but he basically gets quotes from four different individuals. Brandon Staley, uh, Drew Tranquil, Derwin James, Mike Davis, just all basically talking about encompassing how that defense came together in the second half. And I'll let you, the viewers, try to put the tea leaves together and what the connection may be between those four. Long story short. I'll do it. (laughs) Long story short, the defense played better in two quarters of football on Monday Night Football than I've seen them play four quarters of football the entire season. That was a clamp down defense. Now, yes, albeit you're going up against one of the best offenses in the league, but given what you worst, worst, given what you had given up just two short quarters ago to come out and surrender only three points that really were given to you on a silver platter based off of the unfortunate tipped interception. That was an amazing feat for the Chargers to come out and looking like that. Go ahead, Dan. I'll let you speak on this one real quick. No, um, the short version 
And look, call a spade a spade. It's it's unfortunate. JC Jackson has not looked good. And whether that's the injury, whether that's the system, whether that's his swag, from the from what it looked like and from what folks are commenting after the game inside that locker room, the reason why this defense was so successful the second half was because guys were doing their job correctly. Just putting it simply. And if you listen to the press conference after the game, I think it was Daniel Popper asked Brandon Staley to clarify on those blown assignments, both of which were confirmed to be on JC Jackson. And for Mike Davis to come in, step up, like that's huge. And so I agree. I think that's a huge decision. So Jake, I think there's a ton in that call that just kind of flew by. I mean, I should write some of those down because I want to kind of get to them individually. Cause these are all kind of the key topics of this game. Yes. So we talked about JC JC Jackson. The next topic we heard was about the bad play calling, quote unquote. And I knew this was coming. I saw it. I had premonitions about this the week before. And I had said, I can't wait. I'm fully prepared for after Monday night where Chargers fans are going to be pissed off that their offense is not fuming. And now all of a sudden it's Lombardi and Staley. Now, folks who are watching and listening, and Jake, who often also is in that boat of this game's over, I'm over it, Russell Wilson looks like a miracle child. (laughs) Okay, first off, okay, let's just kind of walk through this game, okay? The Chargers go up against an elite, I'm not just using that as a hyperbole, an elite defense. That defense balled out. We have not played a defense that good this season, we probably won't. End of story. And that's without them fully healthy, which is also crazy. Then your starting center, you find out, is not playing. Then your second string center is not playing. Your wide receiver one is not playing. Your wide receiver two is blanketed by Pat Sertain, who might very well be the best corner in the NFL. Justin Simmons is in, wreaking havoc. Bradley Chubb. Jamari Sawyer is holding his own, but you're seeing like collapsing offensive line play. Your quarterback has broken rib cartilage and this defense is smothering you all game. Now, bad play calling, I question. And in fact, I will just say, I don't agree with it. Could there have been better play calling, more creative play calling? Maybe, but you see folks talk about no shots downfield. Go back and watch the game. The attempts are there. The defense is just blanketing them, and the opportunity to throw it in there will most likely turn into a turnover if you do it. So Justin Herbert's actually making the right decisions in checkdowns. I don't believe, personal opinion, that those that a lot of those play calls were designed to be checkdowns. The defense was just that good. Now, bad play call. You talk about um, Brandon Staley, he mentioned. The one good decision that he made was J.C. Jackson. Come on, guys. Glenn, I love you. But you do know that he also, like, is responsible for the defense and all the other stuff. And that defense was rolling in that second half. And honestly, even in the first half, take away those chunk plays by J.C. Jackson that he screwed up with, this defense gave up three points. Three what what do you want more than that? Drew Tranquil is like shot out of a cannon. Derwin James looks great. Mike Davis is looking great. Asante Samuel's got his swag back. Sebastian Joseph Day is doing his thing. Like their running game didn't really have much. Yes, Latavius Murray ended up with 66 yards, but like you never really felt like, oh, they're going to beat us with the running game. Melvin Gord with the clown in the stands, three carries, eight yards. So... It's not just one good decision that Brandon Staley made. And when I see things like that, it's like, guys, like that's bump it up a level and kind of take the bigger picture. Now, another one you mentioned was why did we kick the field? Why didn't we kick the field goal? I think it was, I want to say it was a fourth quarter, maybe. It was like a 46 yard field goal attempt, could have been, or you can go for it on fourth and two. I think it was fourth and one and a half. Your kicker has one leg. Like, he can't even kick off. And he wanted to kick almost a 50-yard field goal? Like, are you kidding me? Like, no. 
you bought the ball in Justin Herbert's hands. So those are all points that Glenn had come in and talked about. Um, Any other takeaways you have from that voicemail and topics that he brought up? You know, there's plenty, but I feel like... (laughs) We got time. I feel like the other voicemails that we have are going to cover kind of the similar thing. So I'll, I'll hold my comments on it until that happens. Okay. All right. So let's just go right to the next one. Grant from Lubbock. Let's hear what Grant has to say about assessing Brandon Staley's performance. Yo, what's up dudes? This is Grant from Lubbock, Texas, man. uh, I don't know. As hard of a game as that was to watch, don't get the dub by any means. Just want to say, I think Staley actually did a good coaching job. I, I don't know if that's going to be a popular opinion. I mean, it wasn't perfect by any means, but, like, after, after Russ kind of cooked us at the beginning of the game to make those kind of defensive adjustments and to have the guts to maybe bench J.C. Jackson or whatever he did for Mike Davis, whatever that was, it, it ended up working. I mean, Russ had 15 yards in the second half, which is kind of because Nathaniel Hackett dropped the ball on that one too, but... I mean, I don't know. I just kind of want to say I think Staley did a decent job. And, man, never seen anybody with as great of a performance as Dustin Hopkins. He was, he was amazing. And uh, yeah, that's all i got to say. Uh, dub's the dub. Hold up. Dan, I said this to you last night. Who would have thought that a <laughs> a – essentially one-legged Dustin Hopkins would play better than a two-arm, two-legged Russell Wilson and Justin Herbert combined. Giant and score more points. <laughs> I mean, what unicorn had that bet, essentially? I mean, my goodness. You have, I mean, we have to give a little bit of this show to Dustin Hopkins, obviously, because what man. a freaking warrior that man was during this game. And you know, this kind of goes into the reasons that Dan was alluding to as far as some of those fourth and questionable calls, albeit God, the first one that he made in the first half that amazingly made its way to Michael Bandy shouldn't have, but by the foot luck of the football gods, it was tipped and it somehow dropped into his hands. Later in the game, fourth and two call, the slant pass, Mathis, who had been getting just obliterated with pass interference calls that entire night, was able to step up and make a good defensive play on DeAndre Carter to stop that drive. I think that was a whip route, I believe. Okay. But given the scenario, I mean, you were trying to alleviate Dustin Hopkins already by having J.K. Scott kick off, which he did a Which, by the way, J.K. Scott did a great job. Didn't even... Kick punting, my goodness. So you're trying to alleviate him already. And you're really, if it comes down to it where you absolutely have to take the three points, you don't want him to be 30-plus yard field goals. Let's get it as close as we can if it's a must-have-to situation and like have these be at least chip shots. Because every single time that he was coming up there to kick a ball, he was ending up on his knees or flat on his back because he just flat-out couldn't stand anymore. And if you heard Brandon Staley's comments at halftime when they were asking him about what's the status of Dustin Hopkins, it's minute by minute. He he literally was go, he said that he was going to Joe Lombardi and figuring out all of his contingencies at that point. Because if J.K. Scott was going to become the kicker, then that was going to be changing then who the holder was. Then it was going to be Chase Daniel who was going to be holding the ball. And there was a lot of variations of it. Even Troy Aikman said on the broadcast, once that happened, He said, Brandon Staley might be going for two if he scores every single time in this game. So it really shouldn't surprise you based off of, A, what we know from Brandon Staley and the situation at hand. Luckily, Dustin Hopkins was a freaking monster and didn't have to allow us to be in that situation. And when it came crunch time and overtime to have a must-have kick on one leg and he puts it through the uprights, and his team is carrying him off the field. And by the way, he got he got nailed by a Broncos player at the end of that kick. So if that didn't make matters worse. Uh, but, I mean, just what a heroic effort by him. Now, the Brandon Staley situation. Look, I'll still kind of fix this in with your defense in the second half, what you had the balls to do, 
how you adjusted, you made your adjustments, you found ways to get pressure on this offense, albeit they were pretty much inept and weren't able to move the ball. But you were able Literally to get, negative yards, negative yes, yards. Net you were able to get to get to Russell Wilson. Drew Tranquil was a man on fire on that field last night. Uh, Khalil Mack started off the game great with a sack and a key pass deflection. Uh, I cannot Starter remember screwed if, the, if Khalil Mack did not tip that pass. Yes, because there was a lot of green in front of that receiver for that. Derwin James came up on an eleven-yard sack in the first part of the half, and I can't remember who ended up having. Uh, the the last one. Um, there were four sacks in total. Derwin, Drew had two, and Khalil had one. Should technically it should have been five, but there was roughing the passer and for all that. The, the penalties definitely did not make that game enjoyable. Over two hundred yards of penalties it, for both I, sides from from both sides collectively. The officiating was just absolutely horrendous last night on both sides. So the defensive adjustments, the making the call on. Mike Mike Davis over J.C. Jackson in the second half, you do have to give him credit for it. Now, I will say this, Dan, because I will go back to what the previous caller was talking about as far as the offensive aspects and the play calling. Look, the last time that Corey Lindsley, technically, let's Thank say you. the last time and a half that Corey Lindsley did not play, we have to stop underestimating and undervaluing how big your all pro center not being in this line, not just what it does between him and the quarterback, but what it does for the rest of your offensive line. This was the worst collectively offensive line performance that they have seen them display all year. Justin Herbert was pressured a career high 25 times in this game. I can't remember how many times he ended up getting sacked, but he's been one of the least sacked quarterbacks through the first five weeks of the season before this game against Denver. Just two. So how the hell he only got sacked two times last night? Boggles it, my it, mind. It didn't. It didn't feel like it. It sure as hell did not feel like it. But Zion Johnson had his worst game as a Charger thus far as a rookie. Had three key holding calls. Uh, strangely enough, Will Clapp only ended up giving up two pressures. It was really scary there for a minute when you saw him go down and Brendan Hymas had to come in and you definitely saw how that transitioned worse. everything. But <laughs> God. defensive coordinators know what to do when that happens because Kansas City was the first team that kind of put that blueprint out there. When Corey Lindsley and Trey Pipkins went out of that game, Steve Spagnolo knew that he had him. He had his ears pinned back, and he brought cover zeros. He brought jailhouse blitzes. He brought blitzes from everywhere. And the interior pressure at that point in time just couldn't do anything for Justin Herbert. The so amount of time that he had. So pause there, for, pause there for a second. So, like, what do you want this offensive play calling to look like in that well, scenario? Look. For those Jake, asking, for, throw it down the field. We should throw it way down the field. The first play of the game was a downfield throw to, J to Josh Palmer that ended up drawing a pass interference call. Not too far later, there was a pass downfield to Mike Williams that technically maybe should have a pass interference call should have been called. Mm -hmm. But Patrick Sertain came over the back, deflected the ball, looked for a flag. There was no flag. As the game wore on, and against one of the better defenses in the, in the league. Let's not forget, whatever you want to say about this offense, that's totally fine. But this defense gives up one touchdown a game. They are legit. And their defensive front is legit. Baron, Baron Browning is turning into a great compliment across from Bradley Chubb. Their secondary is really, really good. So... <laughs> It, it allows the defense to put more pressure on the quarterback because they know that their guys in the back can cover who they need to. Justin Herbert is already playing without Keenan Allen. You're essentially playing without Mike Williams because Patrick Sertain kept him out of the game for a majority of the time frame. You lost Donald Parham at some point because he ended up going down, unfortunately, with another concussion. He's in concussion protocol as it stands right now, which is very unfortunate. Joshua Palmer had to get the like the dirty yards, essentially. It wasn't a spectacular game for him, but he had to step up and be whatever positive yards that you could. Joshua Kelly goes down, so you lose one of your better running backs throughout this season. Sony uh -oh, Michelle. Sony Michelle. Michelle, to his credit, 
it, there wasn't any big runs, but like the third and ones, the short yarded situations where you had to have it, he got it. It was a very ugly game, but from a standpoint of play calling, look, I get it. But when you do not have the offensive line protection, your quarterback it has zero chance of getting that ball down the field. And I don't care how much anybody wants it, but that is the game plan that the Chargers kind of did against the Houston Texans, kind of did it against the Cleveland Browns, albeit their run game got back on track and was the big workhorse of both of those games. But when you take out Corey Lindsley, I hope this was an example to how important he is for your offensive line. I know we all love Rashawn Slater, but Corey Lindsley in the middle of that line makes Matt Filer better, definitely makes Zion Johnson better. And let's not forget, Trey Pipkins is also playing with a straight strained MCL. So you maybe got a 60% version of Trey Pipkins last night. And who, and who was getting the, blown off the ball. He's also the brains of the offensive line and your quarterback assistant. Like, Corey Lindsley, I think it was Matt Money Smith that talked about this. Everybody talked about when Rashawn Slater went down, they thought that was arguably the worst case scenario or second worst case scenario for the Chargers season. One, obviously, would be Justin Herbert. I think it might actually be Corey Lindsley being the second most important person on this offense behind Justin Herbert. Because I don't know who said it, forced multiplier. He impacts everything on this offense. And when you're getting bludgeoned up the up in the front, like – there's nothing you could do. It's like a ship taken on water, and you keep getting more and more bolt holes. You keep trying to plug it in. There's only so much you can do. And so Justin Herbert is literally just trying to keep the ship afloat. And you saw it. Record number of pressures. Like, what do you expect him to do? Oh, we should have more chunk plays down the field. He has no time to do that. And let's just be honest. Again, call a spade a spade. You got to put a little criticism on Justin Herbert. Now, obviously, he is playing hurt. But there were plays early in that game and late in that game that he flat out missed. Either he threw it high, he mistimed it, he threw it low, he didn't run what he was supposed to. He wasn't perfect by any means, and that was arguably the worst game of his career. 57 passes, and the only quarterback other than Warren Moon to throw that many with no touchdowns and still come away with a victory. Justin Herbert's broke a lot of records. That's not one of the lists that you want to be added to. So nope. that broke his streak would be fixed. <laughs> broke his streak of touchdowns scored in a game. Only had zero touchdowns, one interception, through less than 50% completion percentage. Justin Herbert wasn't great. Now, it feels damn good to finally see a Chargers team win for Justin Herbert and not have Justin Herbert have to be Superman and carry this team. And when's the last time we saw a Chargers team win without Herbert having some ridiculous... about just any offense in general? Austin Eckler couldn't help you in this game. I know he got the touchdown, but he, he, had, he was held under 40 yards receiving. If you have him on your fantasy team right now, you're loving life because those receptions aren't going very far, but damn it, if you're in a points per reception league, holy crap, those are what's going to add up because he was he was targeted a hell of a lot, but unfortunately, they weren't going off for much yardage. So you just, you had nothing. You had nothing to support you. So now, Jake, Dan, what do you, what point, do you a, a one-legged kicker in your defense and special teams play is what ended up winning you this game, which is incredible. Now, now Jake, what do you say to... The critics, which you oftentimes are one of them, we all are at some points. Guilty of of Lombardi and of Staley for the offensive play calling selection in this game. Again, we're just looking at it in a vacuum in this game, given its dynamics. You know, it's it's hard to it, it's hard to tell because. What, <laughs> Because we've criticized him over the last two weeks about his play calling when his offensive line has been healthy and what he could have done and what he didn't do. And I've taken plenty of shots for it, and I won't go back for it because I definitely believe it's right. And we've had to listen to Joe Lombardi come out the last couple of weeks and basically said, you know, especially after the Cleveland Browns uh, miscue on fourth down, he even came out and said, I wish I had that call back. 
And we've kind of heard these things, you know, especially after the Jacksonville game, saying that he was probably too reserved with Justin Herbert's uh, injury that had just taken place, and he was probably too conservative with his play calling. So he's definitely had a lot of criticism that has been warranted. But, I mean, come on. When you're going up against that kind of a defense and you've lost your starting left tackle, your right tackle's at 60%, your center is gone for a part of a series you're playing without, essentially with a third center. Look what the hell is happening to Tom Brady right now because he doesn't have an offensive line. It happens everywhere when your offensive line gets decimated because you could pretty much throw your playbook out the window. Defenses are going to be able to make their adjustments and key into it. And yes, it doesn't help also when you're playing without your number one and essentially your number two wide receiver. And Michael Bandy wasn't out there. So what are your options? Joshua Palmer and DeAndre Carter. Or Jason Moore or Xander Horvath. Exactly. So your <laughs> options are pretty damn slim. So I, I, will, I will say this. You, I, I think that as Aikman was saying on the broadcast, it, it, it was actually right after the play that Mike Williams caught or didn't caught with the toe tap drag swag along the sidelines. That when you Dude. look at it, when you Dude. look at it, when it was slowed down, you're like, bro, that was close. <laughs> was it worth a, a, a decision? You know, stay live at point in time. Live. He, he didn't live like, being there. Live being there in the stands, Jake. Like when that first happened without a replay, which they didn't even show replay in the stadium for that play. I was like, there's no way that didn't even look close. And then yeah. not until I got home and saw the replay where I'm like, it's pretty damn close. That would have been one of the best catches I've ever seen. It was pretty damn close. But Aikman was alluding to that, basically just to say, I wish that these were throws that could have been thrown earlier, whether or not it was going to be those type of catches that Mike Williams was going to make, or with the way that the flags were flying in the secondary all night long. At very least, you could have gotten another PI call done, which I definitely agree with that. Mm-hmm. But you're not going to have Justin Herbert taking five to seven drops all this time with that type of lack of protection with a corner, a cornerback, the caliber of Patrick Sertain and the rest of your weapons around you against that defense, you're definitely going to be more conservative with it. And I get it. And do I wish the play calling would have been better in certain circumstances? Yes, Mm -hmm. because I have to also look at the other side of the coin to say, well, (laughs) I mean, they did the best with what they had, but that's, I'm not saying that that's a cop-out or an excuse because, as Dan alluded to, there were definitely some... Justin Herbert looked off in the very early parts of his game. He was throwing downfield, but he was sailing some balls. Sailing some balls. Even even the completion to to Donald Parham, if it wasn't Donald Parham, nobody else on this team could have caught that. And look, say, say what you about play calling. Joe Lombardi isn't the guy that's getting these offensive line holding and false start calls. That's putting you behind the sticks like yeah. six times on there separate was, drives. There was a great pass thrown by Herbert to Eckler that was right up the middle. It was just a quick slant right up the middle. He caught it, and I think he went off for like 15 yards, and you're like, yep. great play on first down. No beep, beep, Zion beep. Johnson holding. Bring it back. Now you're in first and 20. And then it was just one of those typical Chargers type thing. As soon as you get positive yardage, you'd shoot yourself in the foot. Like you can't recover from that. So no, Justin Hurt, even the last drive, Jake, that last drive in regulation, you know, people were pissed off about time management, not using a timeout, blah, 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 blah. I don't, I honestly don't think any of that mattered during the game. I'm watching it. I wish they would have taken the timeout. I want to say it was about like a minute left. I think they waste like 15 seconds, but it really didn't matter for where they were trying to get to. Justin Herbert missed Xander Horvath. I want to say it was a third and one. Justin Herbert had him immediately decided he wanted to try to get more yards, go somewhere else. And then by the time he was able to go back to Horvath, he had a guy in his face, went to his feet, barely caught it. He went down. And then he from there, options. are you going to go for it? Like, what do, you, what do you want him to do? So then are you wanting to call a timeout and then you go for it? What if you don't get it? Then you're giving them basically a free kick with a big man to kick it out of the stadium. And again, that points to like, that's not on Lombardi. Like he drew up the right play and literally Justin Herbert looked it off. Like 
what do you want him to do? So I don't know. I mean, realistically, this was a defensive slugfest, and your defense stepped up. You held them to what, 258 yards? And what, two thirds of that was in the first quarter. After that, there was nothing. You actually saw special teams win you game. Dean Leonard, Jazeer Taylor. Thank you. Thank you. Shout out to the coaching staff because that's where you learn this stuff from. Uh, Jake, one more voicemail. One more voicemail before we get out of here. Let's hear what they have to say. Essia. And I think this guy might be on my team for this one, Jake. Tell me on. Don Wilkenstein. Jake Hefner. My name is Essia. I have called before. Everybody watched that game last night. I don't want anybody to question my coach anymore. Nobody! Do not question my coach. Our defense played their heart out. Their heart out, Jake. They left it all on the field for this coach. They are the reason we won this game. Brandon Staley's defense is the reason why we won this game. Coach Staley, it takes a lot of guts to bench an $82 million guy. But he did because he sees something was wrong. This is why I love this coach. Everybody wanted to be on him last week. We got a W. I know it wasn't pretty. It was ugly. But W is W. And that's all that counts. And all this nonsense talk about Sean Payton, I don't believe the Charger defense would have won today with Sean Payton because that defense in New Orleans was a trash. And that's all I wanted to say. Give props to my coach for the defense, the way they played, especially in the second half. Bolts up. Let's go. Let's get on a row. Thank you very much. Love to watch the show tomorrow. Love to hear my voice. Thank you. All right, Jake. Flamika, we killer fly one thing. No, that was not me, by the way. I did not call in and give you give a different voice <laughs> than my current one. That was, in fact, someone else. So to anybody that's that's – okay, first off, I'll do this. I – Yes, I will give the props to Brandon Staley, as I said earlier in the show, for having the balls to do what he did with the J.C. Jackson situation, bringing in Michael Davis, tightening up the screws in the second half as he did dramatically, finding ways to get pressure. Because honestly, right now, and it's unfortunate to say, there's nobody on any opposing offense that is scaring anybody besides Khalil Mack as far as your line pressure goes. Chris Rumpf, unfortunately, just is not getting there. You don't have Joey Bosa. Joey Bosa is a huge impact to this pass rush that when he ultimately returns and you know, obviously hopefully stays healthy for whatever that time is through the remainder of the year, that should improve every level of your defense thus far. Because how many, how many third and nines or third and twelves are we sick of seeing when quarterbacks go out like Russell Wilson did in this game a couple times roll out, and convert. When you look like you have them dead to rights, we're sick of seeing that. So, again, the impact of Bosa should also not be understated with him not being there. Quick question. Now, Big deal, little deal, no deal. Sean Payton's cameo at SoFi. Well, to my understanding, I believe Sean Payton's rights are still technically owned by the New Orleans Saints because he wasn't fired and he wasn't... Uh, he wasn't fired and he wasn't, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? There was another term I was looking for because he basically just walked away on his own accord because he technically resigned. He wasn't fired. So his rights are still owned technically by the Saints as it stands right now. So if you would like the Chargers to go out and get the Saints, guess what? It's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you something. We've seen it happen in the past with certain coaches. So I'm sure that if the Saints had that, that they would want to milk it for all it's worth, get some draft capital if necessary. I, I'm not so sure how the relinquishing of those rights would go, but 
yeah, I'm. You better believe that the team's going to hold on to it to get some value. You're not, back you're not getting if it comes to without paying a shit ton of money, right? So for those of you that want Sean Payton, you probably will have to pay some draft capital if if capital that is capital. Sort. Yes, it's capital of some sort, whatever it is. If it comes to that, because the Saints are going to want to milk that. Uh, but to this point, look. Unfortunately, nobody is above reproach. Whether it's Justin Herbert, whether it's the big name players on this team, and especially whether it's the coaches. So <laughs> for this game this week, I will throw no shade at Brandon Staley. I, I will not do it. I threw enough at him last week. Was it deserved? <laughs> sure. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was. This week, not so much because I can look at this wholeheartedly all situa- all things considered and see what he had to deal with and then to make the tough decisions that he needed to because tell me I mean how many co- maybe Bill Belichick maybe Mike Tomlin but how many other coaches when you've invested that much in a starting cornerback would actually have the balls in a week six divisional game that on quickly. Monday night football would make that decision I, like I said it's the second best decision that Staley has made this season inserting Jamari Sawyer and not having Storm Norton be a part of this offensive line rotation was the other one. So, no, I will not give Brandon Staley the normal gripe and grief that I give him on a weekly basis this week. But you know what's amazing? There's more football left to come. So, just be ready for it. It's incredible to see this Chargers team four and two atop the AFC West, second best record in the AFC in the NFL. And yet you're seeing so many tantrums from Chargers fans. How many times have you seen or heard Chargers games, Chargers fans implore for all these things to happen when the Chargers are losing? And you know how many NFL teams right now and NFL fan bases would do anything to swap records with you? Like, you're four and two. You're not going to look back on this in week 18 and think back, oh, man, but those two losses or those two wins that we got, we shouldn't have gotten those. Really, we should be, whatever, eight and nine. That doesn't happen. Like, these are the games if you lose – you're going to look back on these. But when you win them, that's what builds playoff teams. And you hear Bransley talk about, like, tough, rugged. You want to win that kind of game. Let's just be frank. Chargers don't win those games. They just don't. And the last two weeks, they have. They're winning a three-game winning streak right now. And say what you will about the things that could get better, could be improved, maybe more creativity, whatever. You love to be able to think about those things after a win. And so it made me a little sad, Jake, <laughs> to see after being there in a stadium for how insane that game was and how good it felt in the stands to then see reaction post game from this fan base was just like, guy, like you got to appreciate the fact that you found a way to win and by any means necessary. So, Chargers, 4-2, and two, sit atop the AFC West alongside the Kansas City Chiefs after they lose to the Buffalo Bills. Thank you, Buffalo. And by the way, Jake, the Chiefs got to go up against some dudes. They got to go up against the Titans coming up. They got to go up against the Niners coming up. Like, they got some losable games. Will they lose? Who knows? But Chargers are right in the thick of things, and two of the other folks in the AFC West are at the bottom of the barrel, and you'd love to see it. Jake, Fast track. We got another game coming up here on Sunday against the Seattle Seahawks. A big game headed into the bye week. We have some fun things in store. Maybe some special guests here. Uh, thank you for the Chargers victory. We'll have one on a victory. Uh, Jake, anything else you want to tell the great friends before we head out of here? Oh, man. Um, I'm really looking forward to that bye. <laughs> Let's just say that much because there's guys that that need to get rested. Uh, definitely given all the injury concerns for the Chargers. And I'm looking forward to it because I, 
I've I've had enough already of stressful Chargers football. All right. Normally I could withstand this a little bit longer, but this has been too much. I need a break. Okay. It's like when when the Chargers were not playing on Sunday. And when they made the announcement that Corey Lindsley was downgraded due to his food poisoning illness for Monday Night Football, it's like they're not even playing today and they're finding a way to screw up my Sunday. I haven't even started yet. Come on, man. Like the Charger (laughs) fan base deserves a break for what they have had to endure through the entirety of this season. Like there has not been one stressful game. that has not ended in a nail-biter with the exception of the Jacksonville game that was just a flat-out ass-kicking. So just take it away from me for a little while. We're on a short week now. We have Seattle coming to town. Thank God they're coming to town because I would really not like our chances if we had to make this short trip to Seattle for this game, all things considered from the injury front. You should get some positive news already today with Corey Lindsley coming back. We've been waiting for it for weeks now, and... We think that it's going to happen, but given what's taken place the last couple of weeks, I'm not going to hold my breath. But Keenan Allen should return this week. So, boy, do the Chargers miss Keenan Allen. Everybody, cross your fingers for that. Oh, jeez. Uh, yes. So, lots of folks needing this buy. Obviously, Chargers fans. The Chargers team does too. You, you heard a lot of folks talk about some of the injuries that came from that game. Concussion protocol for Donald Parham. Joshua Kelly out two to four weeks. Dustin Hopkins out two to four weeks. But after the bye, look, think about bye week time. Like by the time you get back, that's three weeks. Art, in theory, you can get a lot of these guys come back. Oh, by the way, Joey Bosa is still there. So whether the storm gets a five and two, that's the goal. You will be sitting pretty. Everyone would have signed up for four and two. If you would have asked at the beginning of the season, would you take four and two with a slate we had? And the Chargers did it. So for Jake Hefner, you can find him at Jake D. Hefner, myself, at Dan W Sports. Guys, gals, thank you so much for tuning in to Chargers Unleashed. We'll talk to you next time on Chargers Unleashed.